remember guys you can follow me on twitter at Ramswriter. you can find me on facebook the Ramswriter podcast instagram the Ramswriter podcast and then if you would like to make a donation uh, you can sign up to my patreon for three dollars a month which is www.patreon.com forward slash the Ramswriter. now on to the show Welcome to the Rams Writer Podcast. Here's one job. Good shot from him. Powerful, but it comes back again. And it's there. Turned in by Jack Blomson. His first goal of the season. Yeah! It's gone straight in. Well, what a totally unexpected free kick that turned out to be. And it certainly fooled the whole of the Southampton defence and goalkeeper Paul Jones. And it certainly fooled me, Alan. Nice bit of a left foot cross from Seth Johnson, but what a strike this is from Larson. It well. Oh, and that's a good strike by Larson, and a fantastic free kick. Hello, and welcome to the Rams Writer Podcast. A different one today, end of season one. I'm not doing the end of a season review. I'm doing something very special for you. And I've got somebody very special for you today. So joining me today is a former Derby County defender, playing the Premier League era of the 90s and early 2000s. Joining me today is, uh, is Jakob Larson. Jakob, welcome to the show. How are you? Are you well? Oh, thank you for having me. Yes, yes, I'm fine and uh, things are okay here in Denmark despite of the virus and, and everything. So, yeah, I'm fine. Thank you. Brilliant, brilliant. So, Jakob, then, um, obviously you're retired now um, and you're, you're getting into, you're sort of doing coaching now, aren't you? That's that's sort of where you're at. Can, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, uh, what it is, is like I started doing um, like private coaching um, a couple of years ago where, um, you know, uh, young uh, boys and girls can join up and we do sessions in small groups and stuff like that. And I really enjoying doing that, uh, you know, giving a, a bit of a, your experience from football back to these uh, young uh, kids and, and they like it and I like it. So, so it's great. And um, yeah, like uh, I'm coming over to do that uh, at Derby um, yeah, week, on, week on Monday. Uh, I'll be back. So, so no, I'm really looking forward to it. Is that obviously this football camp at Derby? It's been well, uh, well advertised over social media. I'm sure most of my listeners have, have seen it. Is, is this something that you're looking at doing like more regularly, coming over to Derby and or even just in the UK and doing these sort of coaching camps? Yes, it's something I'm doing it with uh, Adam Boulder, who I played with at, at Derby, and, and we've had a good chat. And it's something like we would like to do on a more regular basis, so that we uh, hopefully the kids will come again and again and we can sort of teach them a bit about football and how to play football and stuff like that and maybe sometimes like just uh, have like this camp and the next camp is about this uh, theme or something so it's something we hope to develop and, and I'm sure we'll be over uh, yeah back end of the, of the school holidays in the UK uh, for another a camp, maybe a different kind of camp. I don't know. Uh, I have to discuss that with uh, Adam. But yes, it's something like that. And also, maybe I know Adam lives uh, up at Hall. Uh, maybe we want to go there as well and, and do something because both of us likes to to work with these uh, kids and give them a good time and just the feel of what it is to to like uh, be trained by former professional football players. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I did a few when I was a kid. I, um, I think I'm sure, I'm pretty sure I had, I had one with uh, Eric Steele, and I definitely had one with uh, Steve Sutton. I was a goalkeeper, by the way. That's, <laughs> that's why they're goalkeepers. So, yeah, and and to be honest, I think the experience you get out of that is totally different than what you get from sort of training with your your regular sort of team. So, yeah, no, I I think that'd be that'd be really good. Um, so then, as a kid, then did you always want to be a footballer? Always, always. Um, I, my mum and dad said to me, listen, you have to finish your school, you have to do your A-level, some, uh, we have something in Denmark, we call it gymnasium, I was the first one to finish that in my family, um, it's equivalent to the A-levels and that, and they said, you have to do that, yeah, no discussion, no matter what you want to do, that, that's what you have to do, because for me, I could have finished after nine years in school and just played football, <laughs> but um, when I went to do uh, my A-levels, I had a good um, uh, 
headmaster who who allowed me to get time off to go to training camps with the Danish um, youth international teams. Uh, I got uh, time off um, during the week to train. I trained with the first team uh, in Vile, who was in the best league at that time, um, like uh, three times a week from when I was 15. Yeah. Uh, and, and he gave me permission to go and train with them in the afternoons and stuff like that. So, no, it's just what I wanted. And, and the day I, I, I finished my A-levels, I got my exams, I went uh, and signed um, a pro contract uh, the same day. And that was it. <laughs> so literally straight from school, straight into football. Yes, yes <laughs> nothing else. So, yeah, so that's a strange one. After you finish football, then you go like, oh, what have I got to do now? How does this work? <laughs> you know everything about how it works in football because you've basically done nothing else but football since you were five um i did nothing else it's like when people ask me oh what was it like as a kid did you play in the woods did you do that no and honestly i only played football i did nothing else but play football it's like my mom and dad had to force me home and say like if you don't come home and eat you're not allowed to go tomorrow at the weekends. That's just how it was. I just loved football and my friends did as well. So it's just not me. It's like I had like maybe 10 friends and then I could always, I always had time to train, or go and play football. Yeah. But they had to lie, swap a bit and some could come and some couldn't. But for me, it's always been football. And then obviously, like I told you, I had to do my school uh, yeah. exams as well. Yeah, so I mean, you started off, I don't know how to pronounce the name, so I'm going to shorten it down to VB. <laughs> you started off with them and then obviously moved to Silkborg and you won obviously the uh, the championship with them, didn't you? The uh, the Danish Superliga? Yes, I mean, Violet, like VB, like you say, Violet, it's, it's where I come from. And uh, when I joined them, we had like the best squad ever in uh, Danish top football. Mm. We had like 11 internationals. We had old pros who's played abroad. And then me, who was in the Olympic team at the time. But things didn't work out. So after two seasons, we actually got relegated. It was like uh, unbelievable. And then I moved to, like you said, Silgeborg, um, a smaller club. Uh, but they had a good project. I liked the, what they said. And then... I had a very, very good offer from a different Danish club, but I was like, for my former teammates or the teammates I had at Violet, they were going there and I wanted to do something different because I was like, hey, listen, it didn't work at Violet. So I wanted to go and stand on my own two feet. Uh, so I went to Silgeborg and uh, at the same time, we had a new um, Swedish coach, um, he was a, he's a fantastic person, not a very good football coach, but a good <laughs> man management, you know, yeah. like he, you just felt so at ease and you really wanted to play for this guy, like, uh, honestly. Um, and with him, the second uh, season, we, we won the championship. It was unbelievable. It was one of those seasons where I think from the second round till the second last we were top of the league and then we lose the the second last game we played against FC Copenhagen and we lost and and they um, they were one point ahead of us then and then the last um, game of the season we won and they lost and and we won the league it was unbelievable we were a small club it was yeah. similar to what Leicester did a few years back yeah yeah and we had like i think we had 14 players and it was more or less the same 11 who started all the time. It was only injuries or suspension who changed the team. Uh, but it was great. It was an unbelievable uh, performance. Would you say that's one thing that's important then in football is, is, is having a consistent 11 rather than a lot of chopping and changing? I think it's more difficult to get things to work uh, when you chop and change. I know today with the big teams, you know, they have to play in the Champions League, they have to win the FA Cup, the league, everything. Mm. So they're the manager. It, it's difficult only to have like 14, 15 players. But then again, I'm like, if you, if, if you want to win the league, I think you have to have like a consistency of like maybe seven to eight players who plays more or less all the time, yeah. who's the backbone of the team, who you can rely on. And maybe they're not always performing at their top 
level because they might be a bit tired, but they're there, then there for the hard times, the difficult parts during a game, you know, you can rely on them. And some of the others who come into the team, they know, okay, we have these guys, we, we can trust them, they'll help us. And, and that gives a, a certain confidence in it within the team. Yeah. Oh, no, brilliant. So then you play in Euro 96. Um, so you got your first taste. Was that your first time playing football in England or had you played before then? I've actually played twice at Wembley before that. Oh, had the you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I played with Denmark under um, uh, 16 and I played with Denmark under 18 there. So that was my only two times I've played. And then, like you said, the Euros was like at senior level the first time I, I played there. Yeah. So then you get the move to Derby. Now, was that something that had been talked about a while, for a while? Did you sort of know much about Derby um, before you moved there? Obviously, we'd just been promoted that season. Um, so then it was sort of like a case of, well, you're going to be coming to a freshly promoted uh, team into the Premier League. What were your sort of feelings? Yeah, uh, what it is, is actually um, Jim Smith wanted to buy me in October, that season where they were in the... Um, First division or championship, yeah. yeah. And and I think what happened, we've agreed everything. He's been to Silkeborg. Um, I've met him. I talked to him, and, and that, and and everything was great. But what it was, then all of a sudden, I think Derby lost a few games, and he th- said to me, like, "Listen, Jakob, uh, maybe this is your first move. You're quite young. I was 23 at the time." Uh, he said. I would need somebody with a bit more experience. And that's when he went and got Igor Stimac. Yeah. Uh, and, and then uh, Silkeborg was like, we had a, a difficult uh, half season then. And they were like, oh, we would like you to stay. Not that we, we promised you we could go if, if anything came up. Yeah. Uh, and then we sort of agreed. Listen, he said, Jakob, I really like you. I'd love you to come to the club. Listen, let's see if we get this turned around and they did and then after christmas i say january february i went to a tournament in in bangkok with a, a danish national team and yeah. from there on i sort of knew if i just performed at the level i'm i done for the past two or three years and that derby if they got promoted i would come to derby yeah. so for me it was basically a countdown from then on <laughs> Till the end of the season and <laughs> and I've told people this before I remember uh, us playing at Silgeborg on the Sunday when Derby was playing against the Crystal Palace yeah um, that final or second to uh, last game of the season I think it was and and for me that was the most important thing not playing for Silgeborg <laughs> but how that result went because I knew if they were getting promoted I knew I was going to go to Derby. So for me, that was like the main thing. I wanted to come to England and play football. I knew it was a a nice place and and stuff like that. I'd I'd looked a a little bit into like what the club had done before with the great teams of the 70s and and stuff like that. So no, it's just something I really wanted. Yeah, well, it was a big it was a big impact bringing Igor Stimak in because I think we sort of changed system when we brought him in. so then you arrived at, at obviously at, at the baseball ground as it would have been. Um, and there's a, what was it like settling in? Because there was obviously everyone, there was a lot of different um, uh, nationalities in the dressing room. You had, you know, you had Dutch players, uh, you had obviously Croatians. Was, 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 I mean, obviously you talk great English now. I mean, we hear it nowadays that it's hard sometimes for uh, like foreign or international players to come and join England because of like language barriers. Was there any anything like that at all? Was it a case uh, of I mean, yeah settling quite easily? Uh, for me, it's very very easy to settle in. Uh, first of all, I have to say my teammates they were brilliant. I remember the first time I met them, we had to go to La Manga for like five days with uh, our wives and and kids and and whatever. And listen, they, they were unbelievable. We, we get on the coach, we don't know anybody at all. And they were just like up talking to us. Uh, the other wives were good to, yeah, now my ex-wife, but her. And it's just like, there's no problems in that way. With the language, it's like in Denmark, we have a, 
uh, we taught English when we were like, I think, 11 or 12. All right. So I could speak a little bit. I'm not saying I was brilliant, but I understood most of it. And then it's like after a few weeks, you're sort of a bit more confident and then you just talk. <laughs> um, but but and, and then again, I think one of the things was like, I think he, the manager, I think Jim Smith, he went and he got me, uh, he got Asanovich. Yeah. I think just before the season started, we played one or two games. He got Christian Daly. Yeah. So there were only like three of us who had to like get into the first team and had to settle and stuff like that. So I think that as well, the way they did it, it was quite easy. We had a good um, coaching staff who made sure that we were okay. Um, they really understood that we came from different cultures, uh, that we're different personalities. So in that sense, it, it was easy. It's like uh, one of the things is like, and this is this is uh, the manager. You know, he could, I mean, he could give the hair dryer treatment like everybody <laughs> talks about. Um, Alex Ferguson can do, yeah. yeah. And he did that um, with me. I think once, like we we just played like the first friendly when I came, yeah. Yeah. And it was sort of like. I think he understood that, okay, Jakob is not going to like sit there and try and make excuses for not having played well and stuff like that. So even if I had a bad, bad game, he'll just say to me, Jakob, what about today? I'll just put my hands up and there's nothing. So they really understood what kind of players, we, uh, how we were and our personalities. And some they had to like have a go at and others, it was a different uh, way they had to like get them going and stuff like that so so it's, it was very very easy for us to get settled within the uh, uh, squad and within the team and and also with the the management uh, and the staff yeah so <laughs> should we talk about your debut <laughs> because it was yeah. a bit of it, it was a bit of a baptism of fire really wasn't it um derby it against leeds and oh Wow, it was it was one way to kick off a Premier League season. Put it that way, three three yeah. the final score. And a, yeah, was, I know. I mean, for me, it's it, it was. Uh, I wanted to. I played a lot better than I did. I mean, I have to say it was a disaster. I mean, I should have uh, I should have been sent off after three seconds. I mean, <laughs> the ball is played back to me. I slip, and I sort of out of my eyes. Back of my eyes, I see like um, I think it's Ian Ross running, and I just stop the ball with my hand. I know I, I don't stop stop it where I put my hand directly on the ball, but I just put it on the ground so I stop it yeah. and I get up and kick it. And I just think that the referee thought like, listen, I can't send him off now. We've played like three seconds of the, <laughs> of the new season, yeah. So that was like within a minute. Then I think half an hour, 35, 40 minutes own goal and I thought like this is this is not good and I think the manager took me off after 70 80 minutes he's, he's had enough um, to be fair, the own goal in fairness it wasn't you yeah, you were basically trying to stop the cross and you just basically come off your wrong-footed Russell Holt yeah I know I know but but it's just not one of the debuts you want to <laughs> and for me it was like I hadn't played in the previous game you know before the season uh, at Derby we always had a game against a good team and they played against the Dutch team mm. I had to go to, to Denmark because of uh, international duty and that so for me it was sort of like the first time that the fans could see you and stuff like that and it, it wasn't good but then again I think we've, we've this was on a Saturday, and I think we already played on the Tuesday or something. I think we had a midweek game afterwards. Is it so Spurs? Played, I think it was. Yeah, I drew one yeah, all against played, Spurs. Yes, we played against Tottenham, and it was like um, they, they put me out to play like right wing back. We played a five at the back, mm. and I had a good game, and I hit the post, I nearly scored, and stuff like that. And then I was like, okay. It wasn't too bad. I didn't have a, a great game the first game. The next one was better. And then we had a couple of games. And, and then, obviously, for me, it was like, then I scored uh, against Man United. I think it was in September or something, start of September. Yeah, it and was we, quite close to start of season, weren't yeah. it? Yeah. And then, you know, you just build your confidence and things just worked out. And, and I think, again, 
um, I think the coaching uh, staff was really good to me and helped me like understand. Listen, Jan, we're not just bought you to become um, a world beater from from day one. We bought you to actually like do what you've done at Silkeborg and what we've seen, and and they just like kept uh, putting things on me. Also, you have to uh, remember as well. I, uh, maybe I was a tough player, but I wasn't big at the time. So mm. the first season I was at Derby, uh, they put me in the gym like three to four times a week. And within one year, I gained 10 kilos in weight, <laughs> but lost five, yeah, but I lost 5% in fat. Right. Okay. So, so that was also another part I had to get used to because in Denmark, I was more than strong enough. When you get to the UK, it was it was hard. And you imagine playing against the guys they had at Wimbledon. You know Mark Hughes, who was playing at Chelsea at the time. Big, strong guys you, you had to fight with, and they had to put me in the gym. So, you know, the, the stronger I got, the better the, I played. Uh, also, stamina, the English game, you have to remember, compared to anywhere in Europe, playing in the Premier League is four times harder than anywhere else because... No teams, no team give up. It's like they don't give up, no matter who they play against. Yeah. And, and this thing is like it's so hard. So for me, also like I had to build on that. I had to build on my stamina and stuff like that. But as the season progressed, it just got better and better. And yeah. You mentioned the goal against Man United, your first goal. Uh, now, normally when anybody talks about you, they say. <laughs> Jakob Larsson scored that great goal against Manchester United against obviously uh, Peter Schmeichel who for me is probably hands down one of the best keepers the Premier League's ever seen um, but they seem to forget that you scored three goals for us and you don't score tappings because there was a, I think it was a season after you scored against Sheffield Wednesday where we battered them 5-2 at Hillsborough and it was like a half volley from the edge of the box and then I think it was it was your final season with us. Um, you scored a free kick against Southampton in another crazy three-all game where I think Mikel Beck scored a, a last-minute header to, to get three points, literally the last kick of the game. How does it feel that everyone everyone who seems to remember that United goal? Because let's I think they forget as well, David Beckham scored an absolute worldie in that game as well. Um, he did, he did. I think what it is, it's like it's Man United. Yeah. And and you have to remember in the 90s, Man United, they were like the best team in Europe. They were like yeah. unbelievable. I mean, they had some great players. The way they played, it was fantastic. They just like kept going and going and going. And then again, like you, you mentioned that I scored against my, my international teammate, Peter Smeichel. Um, so, so people will remember that. But I actually think uh, a better goal from my side. And I only scored three goals. But was was the one against Southampton because it was something we talked about uh, when we had free kicks out there. Sometimes just have a look and see if the goalkeeper cheats a bit. And I looked uh, at Jones, and and that's what he did. And for me, it was just like precision and more like this act you have to do like, oh, I'm going to cross it and cross it. And you actually know, ask the referee, is it direct? Can I have a go at goal? And he said, yes. But at the same time, you have to ask him without anybody hearing what you're about to do and then just put it in at the near post. For me, that was that was actually better, a better goal. Because, uh, I like that. I was cheeky goal. So, yeah. <laughs> it was. I think, I remember the commentary. I think it was it was Alan Parry and, and, and he was totally shocked by it. Absolutely shocked by it. Um, because obviously you, you had no reason to take a strike from where it was and then just to curl it around the wall. And then I think you beat him at his near post as well, didn't you? Which was uh, you yeah. know, a bit strange as well for a goalkeeper. But... Yeah, um, I think it was just. I, yeah, think well, with, I think with the Man United goal, it was just sheer pace. Yes, I mean that one. I really hit beautifully. It's like pace and precision. Um, whereas the the one against Southampton was more like you had to be a bit cheeky. And I'd actually, I think it was a. Um, the season before I came to Derby, I'd actually scored a goal in Denmark against the, the reserve key, um, goalkeeper for, for Denmark when we played against um, a club here in Denmark. But it's a sort of similar where I get down to the 
to the close to the goal line and then i see him take a step up because he wants me to he knows like oh he's gonna cross it mm-hmm. and then i just put it in like top corner like near post so i knew sometimes the goalkeepers they do that it's the same with like you know david beckham you mentioned him the that season where he scored the goal from from the halfway line against mm. the, um, Wimbledon. Yeah. Sometimes if you, you're cheeky enough, the goalkeepers cheat a bit. So you can actually, if you have a good strike of the ball, you can actually put it in sometimes because they do tend to like take a step out of goal or being like quite far out and just sometimes like take the chance and, and do it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, it's, we've seen it done so many times since Beckham did that. I think Wayne Rooney's done it a few times as well. Um, from scoring from like yeah. ridiculous distances. Um, so I mean, on that we move on to you say, obviously that first season. Then we finished twelfth, which I think at the time really finishing twelfth in the Premier League in your first season. It's it's quite rare. Normally, you, when you get promoted from from the Championship or or the, uh, Division One as it was then, um, it, it, it's it's normally a case of sort of trying to survive the drop the next season. Yet I think we saw you know that Derby team then sort of surpassed. Um, that that and and you know, to finish twelfth. Did did you feel you you could you could maybe have finished even higher, or do you think twelfth was sort of a fair sort of position to finish? I think I think we've actually done quite well, and as the season went on, we could feel like the team sort of knew what we were about. It was um, it, it was hard. It was it, it was a difficult season. Um, I think it helped us that we played at the baseball ground. Yeah, I'm not sure we would have um, survived if we played at the Pride Park, because at, at the baseball ground the, the 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 atmosphere was intense. It did like sometimes for us if you, if you feel tired and you played 80 minutes and you hear this and and you're so close to the fans and they say oh come on and get in there and stuff like that. It helps you like to get the the last bit you find your last bit of energy and, and stuff like that. Yeah. And also we have to be honest, uh, when you get to like January, end of January, February, the pits weren't the best no. uh, at the baseball ground. And um, what it was is like against some of the bigger teams, we actually got a, quite a good result at home against them because we knew how to play in that pit. Yeah. And it suited our way of playing. So I think that helped us. And I think, uh, I think that's what they realised um, uh, the gaffer and Steve McLaren and that that we had to improve for the next season where we went to Pride Park and that's why they they got on and and got the two Italians and and stuff like that and sort of changed the team a bit uh, and which proved to be be right and also what we did in the first season I know that it's like they had a plan they didn't panic. They never, ever panicked uh, Jim Smith or, or Steve McClan. It's like they, they had a plan. They knew we had to get points here and there. And they were really good at like keeping us calm and not getting nervous. And I, I know we, we had a period of time where we, we didn't get that many points. Yeah. But they said, like, listen, we have like our statistics in here in the office. It's going to plan the next four or five games, that's where we got to get our points. And then we got the points and, and you grow in confidence and, and that. And I think that it worked really well, but the baseball ground really, really helped us. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, I, I mean, I grew up, obviously, my age, it was a lot of the games were at the baseball ground. And then we, we took the move to Pride Park. And like, as you said, we signed the likes of Aranio, Bayano. Carbonari as well, I think. Um, and then obviously we had the likes of one chop and storage up front. That team for me probably is arguably the best, the best side that we've had in recent years with all them players. Obviously, you included as well. <laughs> and the likes of Chris Powell, Gary Rao, Igor Snimak, um, Van der Laan as well. Would, would would you agree that was potentially one of the sort of better sides that Derby have had in, in recent years? Um, I, th- I think what it was, it, we had a really good squad. We have like quite a few um, internationals. Mm. Um, we got on well on and off the pits. Uh, 
it's not like we always like hang out at the weekends. We, we had great respect for each other mm. because everybody had done something uh, and, and it just worked really well. And, and if you look back at it, yeah, we're probably like in the Premier League history. I mean, I'm not trying to be arrogant here or anything, uh, but we were probably more, I would say, the best team squad that's been in, in Derby for many years. It, yeah. I know when you go back and look at the ones who won the championship and that, that was great performance and unbelievable players. Uh, but in in this, yeah, uh, Premier League history, I think we really had something special. And, and that's the only disappointment in my, my football career is that we never, ever got that last bit. So it could have been fantastic to go and play in Europe with, with Derby. And I think there's a couple of things we could have done to 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 get there. And, but unfortunately, it it didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, that's it. I think I think we I remember that season. One, one of the games that really sticks out was when we beat uh, Arsenal 3-0 at home. I think you were captain that game, weren't you? Yeah, I was captain most of the games that season. Yeah, I mean, we we I think I think what happened is that because we had such a difficult and hard season, the first season, mm. it maybe it came a bit too early for us. Yeah. In in the sense that when we got to like I think we got to I don't know 48, 50 points, and we were like wow, we have another 10 games to play and we are actually doing well. And it's like everybody at the club was like, we're just the same. We're going to play in the Premier League next season as well. And, and I think for quite a few games, we didn't really get that many points. Yeah. And we just weren't used to like keep going for the, for the last maybe quarter of the season. Whereas if we had like maybe two more seasons in the Premier League and then we'd hit the season we did in, what was it, 97, 98? Yeah. And that we would have been prepared for it mm. uh, because I think the players and, and, and the management were like, oh, we're staying up again. And it's like, we're early March or something. It's yeah. like, and I think that's that actually was one of the things we learned from that. Um, yeah. Because then, obviously, the following season, 98-99, we finished in our highest position, which was eighth. Yeah. I mean, you you won player of the season that year. What what was that yeah, like I mean, to, to, to see that the fans and how much the fans sort of thought of you? That, I mean, for me, it's like I've never been one of those to, you know, like flick the ball over my head and score 10 goals and, and something like that and be appreciated for what you actually do and, and you you try and do well every week in and, and week out. It's like, it, it's one of the things when you look back at your career now, it, that's like one of the things you're proud of, like, yeah. oh, they actually like what I did. It's like, they really appreciated that you come in, you train hard, you do well, you get on the pitch every Saturday and try and, and give your your best and and but I think that's that's what the fans at Derby are like. They actually appreciate players uh, with with the right attitude and stuff like that. I remember the first season I was at Derby. I think it was Chris Powell who got Player of the Year. And when yeah. I look back at it, they've always appreciated players who give one hundred percent for the club and for the team and stuff like that. And um, so no, that was a, a proud moment uh, for me. Yeah, no, it was it was it was a weird season that as well because it it almost felt like and even looking back now, like watching sort of highlights on YouTube and, and looking back at the fixes and whatnot, it it wasn't like we were dominant. We seemed to get a lot of sort of one goal wins. Do you know what I mean? And we didn't really score too many yet. We ended up like I say eighth, and then I think I think we were three points, four points that we it could have been European football for us. It was it was crazy. It really yeah. was because I think we sort of lost some like key players as well in that season. The likes of, as you mentioned, Chris Powell. Um, I think Gary Rowett left as well. Um, you know, and these were you know these were important players for us. Just just on the sort of where was your sort of favorite position? Because you sort of played centre back, right back, uh, right wing back, right mid. I think you played a couple of games there. What what was your sort of favorite position? 
no, for me, it was like playing at the back, either in a three or in a four, like, like um, in the middle. Uh, but what it was is like sometimes there's like what we were good at is like tactically we were we were switched on when we played against teams and what we tend to do is like against some of the teams we we said like listen, they have this player who's like uh, um, yeah the reason why they score eighty percent of their goals mm -hmm. so Jakob you go and man mark him and that's why I ended up sometimes playing like right wing back, left wing back, or in midfield marking somebody and, and stuff like that. But that was just for tactical reasons, um, trying to like make sure, uh, yeah, that that the opponent didn't um, didn't score and stuff like that. So that's why I think he, he knew after I got to play at the back, I think it was like the first season when we played away against Wimbledon is sort of where he started playing me at the center back yeah and uh, I'm sure they knew that was my favorite position but we had to we had to win games and sometimes we had to do things in a different way to make sure like when we played against Middlesbrough yeah how can we stop them we need to stop Janinho yeah. so Jakob you go and man mark him um we play against a different team we play against Chelsea oh Everything runs uh, through solar. You go and man mark him, and that's what just what we did. And that's why, like I, I said earlier, it's like there's a great respect within the team for what I did because some would just say, oh, "You just go and man mark one somebody, and you do that for ninety minutes." Mm. But the team appreciated that, and that's why I think we we did so well. It's like everybody knew what they had to do uh, on the pitch, and, and that. So for me, it wasn't that important where I played it as long as we got the results. Yeah. I mean, what did you, I think obviously you play with a lot of centre-backs, you know, the likes of Igor Stimak, uh, Stefan Schnorr, Spencer Pryor. Uh, did you play with Paul McGrath as well? I know he was in and around when you were there. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Who, who was sort of like the best sort of pairing or, or three that you sort of, if you could go back now and go, right, Say, for instance, say you're going to play in like an 11 aside team, a Legends 11 aside team, Derby County Legends. Who would you put in as a, as a back three? I think, I think if Igor hadn't got that many injuries, yeah, mm. as he did after a couple of seasons at Derby, yeah. and if we kept uh, Christian Daly, I think Igor, Christian, and I we would have been an unbelievable back three. It really, really worked when we played together because we complemented each other that what I was good at complemented what Ego was good at and what, you know, like, so that was, a. I think that was a fantastic three. Mm. We had the pace with Christian Daly, Ego with his, like, way of controlling things and me, like, being in and around and busy marking and all that. And and then we could play out from the back, we could play short, I could like up to the strikers or the white men. So I think that back three was probably the one where we complemented each other mm. most. But I have to say it was a joy to play with Gary Roward. I know he went uh, quite early, but it was a pleasure to to play with him uh, as well. Um, yeah, I think I think unfortunately Gary Roward now gets a bit of a bad rep with Derby fans because of what obviously his time as manager here. <laughs> You're smiling because you know why. <laughs> um, but I think as a right back. In recent history, he's got to be up there, or as a right wing back, is 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 one of our one of our better ones, to be honest, because he he was a very very good player for us. Yeah, I mean that's one of the things that could have been nice if we'd kept like um, if we if Igor would have been like without any. Injuries. If you'd had uh, Christian Daly, if you had Gary Roward and myself, I think we could have like had a back three, back four together that could have played like in eight, ten years together because mm. we had the right age when we came to Derby, and that could have been it. Could have been fantastic to have played with these kind of players for a longer period of time. But obviously, 
things that didn't work out for different reasons. A great offer for Christian Daly and obviously Eagle started getting injuries and stuff like that. But, but I think actually the four of us together, we could have been like really good, um, yeah, playing together. <laughs> so then we go on to the, your final season. Um which, to be honest, it, it felt like a bit of a disastrous season. I think we finished 16th. Uh, we sort of lost the, the top players, like your likes of One Chop, Stimax, Bayanos. But we brought in, I think, Branko Strupar and uh, Georgie Kinkladzi as well. Um, and obviously, yeah, we, we finished 16th. What, what sort of, I suppose, went, I could say, wrong in that season? Because we, we'd gone from finishing 8th the season before to finish in 16th. And was it just the fact that we lost these players, the likes of Aradio, Bayano, one shot, and never really sort of replaced them? Yeah, I think what it is as well, is like we obviously brought in players who were talented and, and good players, but it's difficult to come into a team where we played together, we liked each other, uh, things worked out and 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 we really gel. And then somebody comes in and it's like it's hard for them. There's a lot of pressure on those players who come in to deliver. And if you don't get off to a flying start, I think at the time as well, it's because Derby, it's changed a bit. When I came, yeah, you get like two, three, four, five, ten games to settle in and stuff like that. But things change the expectation. We were like, um, we'd done well the season before. Uh, fans, the club, the press, everybody expects you to do well the next season because it looked so good mm. uh, for the past two seasons. And then we finished like not in a position where we would want to, but it, it's difficult for these players. It's always easy to sit afterwards. They are, ah, they didn't deliver. They were great players, but it was hard, a difficult team to get into because of um, the success we'd had. Yeah. What was it like playing with Georgie Kinkladze? Because he was he was an absolute magician at times. I mean, I, my, my friend of mine is a Man City fan. Um, so I used to, I, I've been to a couple of Man City uh, games with him at um, Main Road and I saw Kinkladze play for them and I thought, wow. And then to come and see him playing for a Derbyshire, what, what was it like to yeah. play with him? <laughs> Yeah, I think he, he I, I like Georgie and, and he was a really good technical player, awareness and stuff like that. But he was a different kind of player. If you look at like the way Bayano played, when he, it was sort of him he had to replace. Yeah. Bayano was a, a more dynamic dynamic, dynamic player. And, and uh, King Classio was more, you give him the ball, he'd go past one or two, he'd do a little jink to the right and to the left and, and then pass it. Uh, and I think that it was difficult for him to, to get that thing going with the, the front two, um, because give him the ball and do stuff, and he always wanted the ball. And also you have to remember, uh, before Bayana, we had a Sanovic who was like unbelievable player. Uh, so so it's difficult for him to come in and I think he felt the pressure to be honest I know if you ask him he'll probably say no it wasn't too bad and stuff like that but but you do feel it and yeah. and um, uh, and it didn't it didn't work out 100% and it's a shame because he's he's a fantastic player the way he, his left foot was unbelievable yeah yeah no I agree so you, you mentioned Asanovic then is is he the reason why you didn't take more free kicks Yes, he wanted to take them. And I was just like, oh, listen, we're not going to stand there and argue about it. And we were more or less neighbours and stuff like that. And I really liked him. And and um, so he could just take them. That was fine. <laughs> you might have scored a few goals and you'd, if you'd argued with him a little bit. <laughs> I know, I know that I should have uh, said to him, uh, move away. But no, I like Asanovic. Uh, I like playing with him. He was great, you know, everybody was like, oh, Sanovic, a great player, but I liked his personality as well. We got on really well. I spoke to him and he was always, Jakob, just give the ball to me. 
Like if there's nobody else, just give it to me. And and there was no, and that wasn't meant as like being arrogant or anything. That was just him like, yeah, don't worry. I know you want to do this and that. Just give the ball to me. And you could always give the ball to him. He loved having the ball. He'll never complain. Uh, I mean, obviously you want to win games and sometimes you say stuff to each other when you're playing, but it was never like, just give the ball to him. He, he, he wanted it and never complained. It was a bad pass or anything. I liked, I liked playing with him, uh, I have to say. Yeah. So we come to end of the season and it was obviously your final season. Was was that always going to be the plan or did you want to leave or would you have, did you want to stay and what, how come you, what, what, what sort of materialized? You just fell out. Sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, on, on, obviously it was your last season. Um, did, did you want to sort of leave Derby or was it just a case of there was no contract offered or anything? No, 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 no. I didn't want it to leave Derby. I don't, the manager didn't want to, me to leave. We were actually talking about um, extending my contract. What happened is like, I got divorced and my ex-wife moved back to Denmark. And it was just a, a case of me. I wanted to be closer to my kids. Mm. Um, bad decision, uh, I have to say. I think with it's always easy to look back in, in hindsight, but... We should have just sat down because uh, my ex-wife, there's no problems with her. Just say like, listen, how do we get this to work? Yeah. Because that's what we should have done. And I would have played 10 years for Derby. Uh, and I was actually going to go back and play for Derby after I played for FC Copenhagen for one season. Everything were more or less agreed. And But the, the manager got sacked on the Monday when I had to more, more or less come over and, and resign. And, and yeah, but that's it's one of those things because I didn't want it to leave. He didn't want me to go. Uh, even when he brought in uh, Brackstad uh, as a cover for me because yeah. he knew I'd been divorced for like uh, the best part of a of of a year at the time. Uh, but yeah, that it should have been dealt with in a different way. Um, it should have been like, we should have sat down my agent, uh, Jim Smith, and, and even with my ex-wife and said like, listen, how do we get this to work? So Jakob have got peace of mind. You can see his kids and stuff like that. And then mm. um, keep playing for Derby. So yeah, the only thing I regret in my football career, I have to say really. Yeah, yeah. you did end up back in England, didn't you? You, uh, you ended up back at... Uh... We'll, we'll say a rival. <laughs> yeah, but hey, listen, yeah, I ended up at Leicester. It's because, like I said to you, uh, a few months earlier, I was supposed to have gone back to Derby. Didn't happen. Happen. Um, I got an offer from Leicester. Wrong move, by all means. Wrong move. It's like, what, what it was at Derby, and this is not... There was a different culture at Derby than there was at Leicester. Mm. And it just didn't work out. Leicester had some great players at the time. But but what I've been brought up with, the, the way we did things at Derby and that is completely different at Leicester. And I should never, ever have gone. And I actually know that Wolves, who I went alone to, uh, uh, when I was at Leicester, mm. I spoke to one of them, I think it was this Chief Scout. He was... I think, if I remember right, the guy who also uh, helped get me to Derby. And if I'd known that they were interested, I would have gone to them instead, like, because for me, that would uh, much better. Big mistake for my, my side, I have to say. Uh, and not only just because it's less than an arrival of Derby, but also, and this is a thing, sometimes as a football player, you get caught up with your emotions. I just wanted so much to go back to England and play football because I loved it over there. Yeah. And you don't make the right decision. You have to look at where you're going, what's the culture like, what's the, the, the style of play and everything. And I didn't. I was just desperate to get back to, to England to play football. Oh, right. So just on Jim Smith then. Obviously, the late, great Jim Smith now. A, a lot of players have a lot of like fond memories of him. Is there any sort of memories for you that, that really stand out? 
Yeah, I mean, there, there's <laughs> there's a few. I mean, he was like a great manager and, and character, and, and like obviously I got on with him really well. Um, I enjoy playing football under him. Um, never ever had any problems with him. Um, he was like I remember. <laughs> it's also a bit of a an eye opener for this little guy coming from Denmark. It's like. On the Friday before we played Leeds um, on the Saturday, yeah. it's like we had a, a little, we done a bit of a training at that baseball ground, just uh, uh, yeah, you know, set pieces and and that, and we had a team meeting up in the players' lounge at baseball ground, and there was like a glass of champagne for everybody because we had to like wish each other a good season and stuff like. <laughs> I was like, you can't do that. <laughs> uh, what I what I admire most about Jim Smith, and I don't think he got enough credit for that, because everybody is like, oh, he was the old school manager, he was this and that, but he was actually one of the most uh, forward thinking coaches and and one of the or managers and and one of the managers who really knew how to adapt to the new times because. I remember once, it must have been, it was the first season where Stefano Aranio came and Bayano. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, I think we were going somewhere for just a little break um, with the team and the manager wanted us to go. Do you want to go? Do you want to go there or there? But it was like, as a team, we wanted to stay at Derby and train. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't want that. We were like, we wanted to prepare, prepare right. Everybody was up for it. And the senior pros went to him and said, like, listen, Gaffer, we don't want to go. We want to stay at home and train. And I think he was scared that we didn't have a, a trip and, uh, and, and somewhere to go where it was nice and warm. And that. But he accepted and said, oh, listen, uh, this is what you want to do. We had a great coach in Steve McLaren who like, would prepare us and stuff like that. So it just worked. And, and I think that's... Um, you some might say it was the influence of man that that uh, Jim Smith was um, was that uh, good at uh, adapting, but I think I think he just saw like, listen, this is what I've got to do with this squad. So he just changed things, and and we just got on with it. And, and I really liked, and we we were the first one to have uh, pro zone. Uh, we were probably one of the first teams in the Premier League to have a sports psychologist uh, yeah. in there. So, and I think that's a side of Jim Smith that he never ever got credit for. Um, yeah, what was sort of the influence of Steve McLaren? Like, obviously, he's well thought of, you know, and he's obviously obviously we know what he's done with with Derby when he's come back as manager, etc. What was he like as a coach? Because there's a lot of players that sort of say, yeah, he's one of the best coaches I've had. Did it, I take it, it just worked between him and Jim. It was just one of them things where they just clicked, they knew what each other wanted and that's how they got the best out of you guys on the pitch. Yes, I mean, it's a bit like I told you about, like um, uh, you said to me, oh, who did you like to play with at the back? I said, Igor and Christian Daly, because we complemented each other, like our strengths and weaknesses. And was, I think it was the same with, with Steve McLaren and, and Jim Smith and also Billy McEwen, who was there, and even some of the young coaches. But, but Steve was really good at like working with us. He had this thing, I think, of like knowing when to push us a bit and just to say, oh, we take it a bit easy. I think tactically, uh, really good. He, yeah. they, they prepared us for every game down to the T, you know, like we just, we were prepared for every game we played. We never turned up and thought like, oh, okay, we'll just go and play off the cuff here. No, we knew what we had to know. We, we, it's just not one of those where, oh, Let's see how it goes today. We train well during the week, lads. We play 4-4-2, go out there and get on with it. No, we knew what we had to do. Yeah. And I think that was a big reason why we did so well. We just had a plan and, and we knew if we stuck to it, we'll, we'll get there in the end. Brilliant. So I've got a couple of questions then from, from fans. Um, first one's from David. He says, who's your three best players that you rated with at Derby? 
And who did you get on with the best with? And who did you not feel so close to? Uh, oh, who's the best players? I think it's difficult because I think we had really quite a few uh, good players at Derby. Uh, me being a defender, no, like I said to you, I enjoyed playing with Igor and Christian Daly at the back. But again, <laughs> and uh, we had Stefano Ranio in midfield. He was great, but again, there's more. There's others who like. I like playing with Daryl Powell in midfield. You knew when you had him in there with uh, Iranio, it would work. Um, up front, we had good players in Dean Sturridge. We had like uh, one chop as well. I just think there are so many. Uh, so so it's difficult to say like, um, oh, they stand out. Um, and also because we got on so well, so so you had a lot of respect for what everybody was doing. The players are sort of like <laughs> you got on with most of them, but Lars Bohin and and and, um, and Stefan Snor, uh, um, I was neighbours with them, and Lars Bohin being a Scandinavian guy and, mm. and Snor German, and I speak German as well. We got on really well. Uh, early doors, neighbours with, um, so so that was sort of the ones that I was the closest. Um, were nice people, I have to say. It was more because we were sort of at the same stage in our lives with like kids and and stuff yeah. like that. Where some of the other players they're single and stuff like that. So it's natural you you like um, you gel more with others and and that. But on the pitch, there's hey. I have to honestly say most of the players I enjoyed uh, playing with, I have to say that. Brilliant. And then Christopher says, who was the best set piece, uh, set piece taker that you played with? Sorry, you fell out. Said that again, um, who, who was the best set piece taker that you played with? Oh, oh that's a difficult one. <laughs> um, I think um, Asanovic had good delivery. Um, I think had really good delivery. I think actually Gary Rao, we talked about him. Mm. It's like I said, Asanovic was uh, very good. He had good deliveries, good corners and and, and free kicks. Uh, uh, and then, like I said, um, Gary Rao, he had good delivery from a bit further out when he had to deliver into the... So I'll say them too. Yeah. And then finally then, so... I don't know if you're still aware. Do you still sort of follow Derby now and and you know see what what's going off and sort of what what do you sort of think of, of the state of the club at the minute? Because it it doesn't really seem that great at the moment. Uh, no, I know when you sit there as a fan and and you you want them to do well and that. Yeah, I do follow them. I think what it is 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 obviously the chairman has put a lot of money in over quite a few years. Mm. Um, and because it's so expensive and, and you do get tired of it I do understand that I have to say when, when you put money in every month from your own pocket and, and I know he's been hit hard because of this coronavirus mm. uh, because there's no revenue but the club uh, then there's, it's always when there's talk about the club being taken over by somebody else it, it, it takes the focus away from what it should be mm. on the pitch yeah, and then obviously it didn't work out with the uh, Cocu. Uh, all of a sudden, he's got his own squad that he had to like. Uh, uh, well, he built, and then Wayne Rooney, a young, uh, inexperienced manager, gets thrown in, and and I think it's it's great achievement that he actually got the team to stay up, and I hope he'll get. Um, time to to rebuild in the summer and, and do something there and then he can he can yeah sort of put his own team together and stuff like that and then I think actually with uh, things it's going to be a lot better yeah. and and when I look at it, it I also look at like we got a really good academy mm. and I think if it comes to it, like let some of the young players there play, get some experience in and and maybe not always invest in, in big money 
players, but but some of these young ones and, and take the risk. I know it's easy for me to sit and say here because <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not in charge, so, so that's easy. But as a whole, we have got great academy, great uh, training facilities, stadium, but most of all, we got, I think Derby has got a good foundation of supporters who will always be there. So even if they got uh, uh, relegated to like League One, they'll still be 15, 20,000 every time they play. So yeah. the foundation is, is there. You just need to either the chairman um, comes up with a new plan or, or new owners in who come come in comes in with their own ideas, uh, then the club will go forward from there. I'm, I'm sure of that 100%. Yeah. So <laughs> do you think, obviously you're now coaching, is, um, <laughs> I'm not going to say it, but do you think sort of like it, are you looking to sort of go into maybe coaching to like the Premier League or, or, or back into sort of football, be a manager maybe one day? What what does sort of the future sort of hold for, for Jakob Larsson? I don't know what, uh, what I'm hoping to do. I just like take it day by day. It's like really I'm looking forward, but, but you never know. I had the opportunity a couple of years ago in, in Denmark to do it. Mm. Uh, um, the situation wasn't right at the time, uh, but it's not something where I put my name forward to do anything or, or stuff like that. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I, I enjoy doing what I'm doing now, and, and I don't think too much about the future in that respect. I have to say, to yeah. be honest. Oh no, that's that's pretty well. Maybe maybe you never know. We might see you back at Pride Park one day. Standing on the dugout, you never know. <laughs> I'm sure you'd be, I'm sure you'd be uh, greatly welcomed there, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think what it is, is, is like, um, I think the most important things that, that Derby supporters have to do now is like get back behind the team for the new season and, and stuff like that. And uh, I think, um, I think if they do it right, they've, uh, I know Wayne Rooney is not that experienced, but he knows a lot about football. And if you get, that's just how I see it. If you get some of the young players in and play, they'll do anything for, for a manager like him. Mm. And he can actually relate to them. It's not that long ago he played himself and he's a big, big name in, in British football. And I think with, I, th I, I actually think they can do, do well. Uh, and we just have to give them time sometimes. I know it's difficult in football to be patient. Uh, yeah. I know it, it's very difficult and nowadays especially, but sometimes you just have to give them a little bit of time. I mean, I look at, I know this is completely different. I look at the, the manager who's the manager at Brentford. He's a mm. Danish guy, Thomas Frank. Yeah. yeah. When he first came to Brentford, I think he was the assistant and then their manager went on was Justin Villa or something I can't remember and and he took over and I think he he lost the I think seven out of his first eight games and things didn't look that well and, and stuff like that and he just got through the season and Brentford stuck by him and it was like ah oh. then the next season I think they lost in the the playoff finals yeah. and they're there again this season and they play some good and I think sometimes you have to be a bit more patient. And then again, I know it's not my money who's, uh, who's been put into the club and it's easy to say, but I just feel that sometimes when you look at it, those places where they actually turn things around and stuff like that, they are a bit more patient. And I hope they'll, they'll give Wayne Rooney time uh, uh, to like... Yeah, develop and, and build his own team. I, I think because of the knowledge he has of football and that, I think I think he'll be okay. Yeah, no, I, I think he will. I mean, I know there's a lot of fans that have sort of doubted him and want this to still now. Don't think he should be the manager, but I think I think you're you're right in what you're saying that yeah, he does. You know, he probably if he is given time and you know time to build his own squad and, and money to sort of spend, then hopefully then he can come up, can come up trumps and and. And bring us uh, bring us back again. So, do you think just a, just a last just last question? Do you think football's changed, as in style of play's changed massively? Because when I look at that team from when your era when you played, there was a lot of it was very sort of I won't say direct, but there was 
there was a lot of football that it was just about attacking and, and getting forward and scoring goals. Nowadays, it, it seems to just be this possession-based football playing out from the back end. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think it's changed a lot? Um, and, and I don't say that to be positive or negative. It's got nothing to do with it. It's just an observation, basically. Mm. It's like, I don't think that us playing when I played would have had great success today. Mm. But at the same time, those playing today wouldn't have been good players when we played because it's different yeah. uh, type of football. I mean, one thing we were allowed to tackle, they're not allowed to tackle today and stuff like that. And like you say, today you have to be an unbelievable athlete to play football mm. uh, and to play at the, at the highest level because it's so fast. Um, it's, it's like 90 minutes, 100%. Uh, like you say possession and, and you have to like when you lose the ball you have to like repress straight away and, and stuff like that it's like uh, it's a different kind of players whereas I, I think you had when I played it was more about like you say going forward uh, give the ball to somebody they could do a trick they could see a pass where today they really really it's, it's all about they know how, where to run and, and there's nothing. When they play, there's not too much off the cuff. And that's yeah. why I think today we really, really love when you have um, Salah who gets the ball and he does a trick that they haven't practiced uh, yeah. at the training ground. <laughs> because I think too much today is about what you've done at the training ground. It's, it's all, if you really prepare to play against teams today, you more or less know how they're going to play. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, uh, but but today it's 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 hard for the players. It's it's like, um, yeah, I don't envy them. I have no. to say, <laughs> yeah, I don't. There's a lot of like you said the, the fitness thing today is it, it, it's um, it's unbelievable. You you know the, the the whole body shape of players has changed and, and all sorts. It's it's unreal, but. Anyway, um, thank you so much for, for coming on and, and giving, me, giving up your time to, to come and chat to me. Uh, I, I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, obviously, you, you basically, the, the, the crazy thing is, right, when I was obviously growing up watching football, like Mark Poom was always my favourite player because of his, his being a goalkeeper like I was. But yeah. you were my sort of second favourite player. And the it was obviously with how you played on the pitch as well. But not only that, your birthday is two days before mine. <laughs> yeah, that's good enough for me. That's good enough for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it, it's been an absolute pleasure to, to have you on, Jakob, and, and all, all the best for, for your coaching and, and for hopefully, you know, you know, like I say, you never know. We, we might see you on the, on the touchline or, or somewhere in the background at, at Derby one day. You never know. So thank you very much for coming on. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thank you. It was a pleasure. No problem. Stay blue as one.